In these sentences, Baba emphasizes peace of mind. He uses the term mental stability. He says, you must give stability and calmness to your mind. When worshipping a statue, our senses gather at one place and the statue becomes the center point of devotion and worship. Similarly, stabilize and focus your unstable mind on the Almighty God who is present in your heart. Calm your mind with the prayers and worship. This will help to give peace and stability to your mind. Without peace and stability, it is impossible to know and reach God. Without mental stability, it is not possible to get liberation from the materialistic world. You see, because what is being referred to is the thinking mind of the ego, which is always taking away our peace of mind. Because the thinking mind of the ego is either going into the dead past, this happened to me, that person said this to me, God this did this to me, dead past, or imaginary future. What will happen if? What should I do then? So when this thinking mind is in the dead past, or an imaginary future, it means it is not present here and now. In the moment, right now, it is not there. Because it's in a past which is gone. The past is not here now. The future is not here now. Therefore, no peace of mind. So the mental stability is this. When you accept the will of God, when you accept nobody is the doer of their actions, you are at peace. Your mind is stable. Because you are not lost in this dream of criticizing, blaming, judging, hating, so on and so forth. That dream is finished as far as you are concerned. When that is finished, your mind is open vacant, that garbage has been thrown out, which Baba says is the requirement. So this is how the teachings are so beautiful, you see. These are what I call teachings and masters who clear the garbage <laughs> from our minds. That is their job. And you find by and by as time goes on, you're more at peace because the teachings have been imbibed. Let's say a year ago, you didn't reflect on these words, didn't think about it much, and now you do. You can see the changes in your life, in your own life, in your thought processes. How you think about people, how you think about what happened in your life. It's quite beautiful, actually. You must read and understand spiritual and sacred books and follow the knowledge in them in everyday life. If you engrave spiritual knowledge in your heart, liberation itself will walk up to you and God will bow down and willingly fulfill your 
spiritual desire. So beautiful. You see, I give this example that you have to make that effort to live the teachings. Supposing I keep the Satcharita by my bedside and I say I'll read a page every night before going to sleep. It's a very noble thought. But if I see how to apply it in my life, not that I read it in the night, next day I'm back to my usual <laughs> antics and, uh, you know, all the drama of daily living and totally disconnected from what I read the previous night. But when I read these stories, these examples, contemplate on them, try to see in my own life the people I met during the day, what I said to whom, what was that based on, that is what Baba is pointing to because then as he says, your focus is on spiritual knowledge and liberation. That becomes your main content. That needs to happen. I have given this example before on this channel of someone who was a Sai Baba Bhakt and would be found every Thursday at the temple and doing a lot of seva and everything beautifully, uh, distributing prasad. But in his daily job, with uh, he was a government officer asking for bribes. You see, that shows the disconnect. Because you are taking what is not meant for you. The other person is giving more than what he should be giving. Which we spoke about earlier. So this gap happens because the Maya is so strong. We are lost in it. So we feel, wow, I'm a Sai Baba Bhakt. I'm distributing prasad, I'm sweeping the floor, I'm very content. And my <laughs> other hobby is bakshish. You see how deep the teachings run. I remember when my teacher was giving satsang, one monk, Buddhist monk, came to see him, who was very revered. Two, three people in the satsang, the Indians there, knew this, who this monk was, and whispers were going around that he has come with his disciple, young boy. Young means 16 years, 17 years, whatever. And he was perhaps in his 50s. My teacher in that at that time was 84, 85 maybe. I, I really don't know what happened, but somehow my teacher, the first thing he told this monk is, 
you must be feeling great that your disciple is sitting next to you, looking up at you like that. Now, this is uncharacteristic of my teacher. He would always ask someone, where are you from? What do you do to get to know the person better? But here I found a very different mood. And you know what happened? This monk became wild. How dare you talk to me in front of my disciple like this? Who do you think you are? And all that came out. Like a volcano. And that was it. On display for everyone to see. So the point is that have we imbibed what we are sharing? Or is it selective? 